Well, this is the place uh, where we find joy. Uh, This is the place where we can lay our burdens down. Of course, this really isn't a place. Uh, We are a people. Uh, We are people who gather around the table, and we rehearse the story. And we rehearse the story in order to tell the story. Uh, So there are a lot of metaphors uh, that we have grabbed a hold of as the church. There are a lot of metaphors in Scripture about what the church is. But over the last century, uh, a popular metaphor is that the church is a hospital for sinners. And that is true. Uh, We come to this place, many of us wounded by trials of various kinds, uh, even by life in a fallen world. But we come here seeking healing for our wounds and restoration and strength and encouragement. But there's also this aspect of the church that not only are we a hospital of sinners, we are a military outpost. We are a people who are sent out to be a blessing. We are sent out by the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the good news Uh, The good news that we see in big letters and numbers at sporting events. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is our battle cry, John 3.16. God so loved the world. God loves his handiwork. God loves his creation. As we saw last week, God loves the nations. So for the next few weeks, we're going to take this theme and we're going to spend some time with the Great Commission, uh, the words of Jesus at the end of Matthew 28. We're not going to be there this morning. We're actually going to be in a different part of Scripture. Uh, But the reason why we're going to work through the Great Commission is because, well, two reasons. Uh, First of all, on Easter Sunday, we asked our teachers uh, to really carry out an impossible task to teach Matthew 26, 27, and 28 in 45 minutes, uh, which means they had to cover the Lord's Supper and the prayer in the garden that we just sang about and the arrest and the betrayal and the trial and the death and the burial and the resurrection and the marching orders of Jesus in the Great Commission. Impossible, even though our teachers did well with it. So we're going to spend a little more time with the end of Matthew. But also last week we made a pivot from our theme of worshiping God to this next part, this next statement of who we are as a people, bringing people to faith. Uh, So we have four statements that really help us uh, with our identity, to remember our identity, our identity as a people. Uh, We are a people here at Brentwood Oaks who are devoted to worshiping God, bringing people to faith, conforming to the image of Jesus, and caring for others in need. And we're going to focus this quarter on bringing people to allegiance, bringing people to conviction, bringing people to faith. Uh, So given this pivot, I thought it would be best to camp out in the great commission of Jesus. And just like the series on the Lord's Prayer, we're going to work through that paragraph at the end of Matthew line by line. Last week we looked closely at Psalm 67... Uh, that psalm about the priestly blessing that is given to the people of Israel, but it, it was a hidden track that was meant to be amplified to the nations as the peoples of every tribe, nation, and language are gathered together in worship. 
But now we move to the Great Commission. But here's a question. Is Matthew 28, 16 through 20, really the Great Commission? Well, that's what my Bible tells me. That's what the subtitle says in my ESV Bible. I find those subtitles to be helpful, although they're not original to the text. But when we read Scripture from beginning to end, uh, what we find even in the Old Testament is that God is a commissioning God. God is sending God. God is the, the one who gives His people a mission from the very beginning. God told humanity to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But then we get to this great commission in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and that's where we'll be this morning. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the calling of Abram, or his more famous name, Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Let's hear the word of God. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And may God bless the reading of his word. So at our family retreat, church family retreat, and i got to make sure that I say that correctly. When we say family retreat, that can give a false connotation. It is a church family retreat, uh, regardless of if you're married, single, have kids. So I'm going to be careful with that. Church family retreat. Uh, Chris Flanders came and spoke to us, and he used the image of the great rescue uh, of the 13 lives. Some of you have watched that movie, uh, the 13 lives of the the soccer team in northern Thailand, the the young boys uh, who got trapped in a cave a cave that was being flooded, and, and the whole world was united around this rescue. Uh, they were united in prayer. They were, were united in gathering resources, and militaries, uh, the special operations from the different militaries came together and saved these 13 lives. But this morning, I want to talk about a, a different rescue that took place in 1956, This was decades after the Titanic. There was another ship disaster, and it happened 40 miles south of Nantucket. The SS Andrea Doria was an Italian ship, and it carried 1,700 passengers, and it was on its 51st trip across the Atlantic. But as they neared their destination, the Doria ran into some very heavy fog, and unbeknownst to the captain of the ship, There was a Swedish ship about half the size of the Doria called the Stockholm, and they were on a collision course. The Stockholm was not supposed to be on that trajectory. Uh, They were trying to save time, so they cut a corner. But a crash was not inevitable. 
through the thick fog, they actually saw each other. And the rule of the sea, and I think it's the rule of the road too, at least here in America, is whenever you're on a collision course with another ship, both of you turn right. That's not what happened. Maybe it was out of panic, but the Doria turned left, and the Stockholm turned right, and the momentum was too great to stop what was going to happen. The Stockholm smashed into the starboard side of the Doria, crippling it and setting it on an 11-hour journey to sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Now, there were enough lifeboats to save all 1,700 passengers, but the problem was that the Doria was turning on its side, and half of those lifeboats could not be lowered into the water. The ship had made a wrong turn. It had chosen the wrong path to avoid catastrophe, and there's nothing the people could do but go down with the ship. And I believe the story of the Doria paints a picture for us of what took place prior to Genesis chapter 12. Humanity had taken a wrong turn. Uh, What began in what we call the fall in Genesis chapter 3 continued in this long descent, this, this downward spiral that was very much like a sinking ship. So in Genesis chapters 3 through 11, we have all of these terrible stories. The story of Cain murdering Abel. The story of the great flood where every inclination of the human heart was evil. And things got so bad that God was sorry that he made human beings. And he started over with Noah. And then in Genesis chapter 11, we have the story of the Tower of Babel. Where where people were trying to make a great name for themselves. And instead of filling the earth as God had commanded, they gathered in one place to build this tower, and so God took it upon himself to scatter them. And the scene at the end of Genesis 11 is one of confusion and disorientation, and now this introduction of division and tribalism and language barrier. I mean, it's it's difficult enough to communicate in your own language, and now there's mass confusion. Basically, Genesis 3 through 11 is a shipwreck, a disaster movie. Humanity is on a sinking ship, and the lifeboats are not available. And some things never change. I don't know about you, but whenever I turn on the news, I feel like humanity is on a sinking ship. Maybe I'm the only one. We see the effects of the fall all around us. The signs of the fall cannot be missed. The Apostle Paul lists several vices on these different lists in his letters. Things like uh, malice, anger, greed, and idolatry. Uh, This really is describing life in the fall, or what Paul calls elsewhere, the realm of the flesh. And the word there for flesh is sarx, has an edge to it. And when Paul talks about the flesh in that context, he's not talking about just the fleshly part of us. He's talking about an orientation that works 
against God. And right now we live in this world where, well, it feels like a sinking ship. Humanity continues to make wrong turn after wrong turn. We're caught up in wars and rumors of wars and anger and sensuality and anxiety, delusion, deceit. The list could go on. It's like what the prophet Isaiah says in his context in Isaiah chapter 5, that he lives in a land where good is called evil and evil is called good. Some things never change. Well, this morning, maybe you come here weary. Weary not just from the evil that's making so much noise in 2023, And the anxiety and the fear that those powerful forces produce. But maybe you come here this morning wrestling with the evil from within. You come here wounded from the spiritual warfare you're engaged in and the battles with temptation. Maybe you come here this morning really needing a hospital for sinners. And we join in with Paul and his cry in Romans chapter 7. The cry of fallen humanity, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But as one astute biblical scholar once said, Genesis 12 comes after Genesis 11. And he wasn't just talking about chronology there. Before we get to Genesis chapter 12 and the good news of the calling of Abraham, we have to survey the wreckage of Genesis 3 through 11. Humanity is going down fast. That is, until there's an intervention. Until a rescue is initiated by the only one who could fix the mess and rescue the passengers from the sinking ship. And the vehicle that that God uses comes through an old couple in Iraq, a childless couple well past the childbearing years. God is going to rescue humanity through their descendants. And all of this begins with the great commission of the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the call of Abraham. Did you notice a word that was repeated in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3? Take a glance at it again. I bet you'll catch it. You really can't miss it. Five times there's some variation of the word. Bless. And where Genesis 3 through 11 is cursing and more cursing and more cursing, God calls Abraham to be a vehicle of great blessing. A blessing in the sense of living in creation, the way life was meant to be lived, experiencing the goodness of God in the created order. In fact, blessing is a big word in creation. If you go to Genesis chapter 1 and the days of creation, and you look at day 5 and day 6 and day 7, blessing is all over the place. God blesses, God blesses, God blesses. But here in Genesis 12, as the ship is sinking for humanity, God calls Abraham to the promised land. And through Abraham, all of the families, all of the peoples, 
all of the nations are going to be blessed. Through Abraham, all the families on the earth will live as God intended all of us to live in the creation. That, brothers and sisters, is the Great Commission. Go and be a blessing. Go and be a bearer of blessing. Uh, this commission that's fully realized in Jesus of Nazareth, Abraham's perfect descendant, and the ultimate channel of blessing to humankind. And so the marching orders that we're about to study in the next few weeks, the, the words of Jesus to his disciples there on the mountain of Galilee, is really a continuation of what God told Abraham so many years ago. Because God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have the zoe, the abundant life, the eternal life, the blessed life. The SS Andrea Doria on July the 25th, 1956, had made a wrong turn. It's a turn that spelled certain doom for all of those passengers, all 1,700 of them. But unlike the Titanic, a massive rescue operation began. A call went out to all the boats of all shapes and all different sizes to come to that ship and take those passengers off the ship as soon as possible. And because of this call, all the living passengers who were not killed in that initial impact were saved. I think at the end of the day, less than 50 people out of the 1,700 passengers were killed. It's one of the great and most successful rescue missions of all time. A disaster that ended up with good news. But here this morning, as we close, let's hear this word of grace. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't serve a God who stands idly by and watches the ship go down. We see this in Genesis 12. Our God is the God of rescue. Our God blesses us in order to be a blessing, our God tells us, go and be a bearer of blessing. To live and to invite others to live as we are intended to live. A life made possible through Abraham's seed. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins in the ultimate rescue mission. The one who calls us to participate in God's rescue can you hear his voice calling this morning? Can you hear the call to mission as we are to bring others to faith? We're going to use this as a launching point next week to the, the words of Jesus at the end of Matthew. But for this morning, let's hear the words of invitation. It's an invitation to find restoration through Jesus Christ. But always the question, to what end? God blesses us 
in order to be a blessing. If you'd like to respond to that good news, we invite you to come this morning and answer the call as we stand.